Oh boy. It's a tough week in Baltimore. A tough day for Raven fans, players, the pod like a Raven crew. What does this mean for the team? What does this mean for the history of the Baltimore Ravens? That and much more this week on Pod like a Raven. little downbeat as we get into the episode here for obvious reasons. The Ravens on the wrong end of a historic loss, a, a puzzling loss, an emphatic disaster in a fourth quarter that we hope to forget. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my, my co-host here in Podlicker like Raven to, to discuss this game, to discuss what it means for the Ravens for the full season and also to do a little uh, reality check on what it means to be a defender in Baltimore and, and what, this, what this team has to do, what that unit has to do, what those players have to do collectively to turn the ship as we get into week three. Let me bring in my co-host now, starting on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, I'm not going to even ask how you're doing. Just, you know, wel- welcome, welcome on, I guess. Hi, Antonio. <laughs> and on the West Coast... Jace Evans. Jace, uh, yeah, we're recording another episode. Yeah, we're here. Um, I think all intro is appropriate because I think I think we just watched the worst loss of the Lamar Jackson era, Antonio. Uh, I, I've been thinking about it. You know, there's some playoff ones that hurt, but I think if you're just looking at, like, game that left me the most mad, I think we're number one in the power rankings on what we saw uh, on Sunday. Uh, that was awful uh largely unacceptable and uh yeah we'll get into what went wrong here it was it was terrible it was just it was just so bad and i'm getting myself already worked up we're like two minutes in i'm like i was feeling okay now i'm like huh all over again yeah we're gonna try to get through this episode i'm just gonna let the listener know ahead of time i'm sure there's gonna be at least one moment for all three of us where things just go off the rail so you know just have that volume knob, like, kind of ready to go uh, in places, but we're going to try to try to get through it and look at some other games and then preview. There is another game for the Ravens coming up next week. It is a week-to-week league, so they have, uh, you know, 15 more games to play this season, but we're going to start talking about the most unfortunate one, uh, the one that just happened. Ravens, losers at home to the Miami Dolphins, 42-38. to There's a lot of bad, uh, and most of it is on the defensive side. But some of it's on the offensive side, so we're going to start with the offense first, start with some positives, because there are some offensive positives. I would say there's one offensive positive that we're going to talk about first and then get more into this game. Lamar Jackson, my goodness. Um, Jace, Jace will have some stuff on this, but maybe the best game of Lamar Jackson's career offensively. Uh, and he's had some really, really good ones with lots of touchdowns and lots of yards. But just in terms of doing everything right, hitting all of his throws, uh, explosive when needed, composed when necessary, accurate. They were out of the huddle quick. They were like snapping the ball with eight seconds left on the play clock somehow. Zero turnovers. Uh, he led the team in rushing by a lot with one of the greatest runs of his career. Tried to have, I mean, I'm not going to call it a fourth quarter comeback, but led a drive to take the lead late in this game after, you know, all hell had broken loose. 
Um, you know, I'm going to end it there because there's obviously negative stuff to bring up later, but Lamar Jackson is good and he is maybe the only superstar on this team. Jay Sevens, oh my God, hot, hot take four minutes in. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's where I landed after watching this because, you know, Lamar wasn't perfect in this game. If he was, they probably wouldn't have lost the game. But he was damn close. You know, 21 to 29, 318, three touchdowns, 119 rushing yards and a touchdown. It's like, what more can you, like, it's unfair to ask him to do more. And, like, statistically, it was, like, one of the best games of his career. And I just, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I you know, he wasn't perfect. But the fact that he needed to be to win this game is so frustrating. Like there, and it just, I circle existentially. I worry, you know, I, I'm, I'm on team pay Lamar, whatever he wants. Cause now at this point, because he's like the only good thing they have going at this point. He, everything else around him is bad as we'll get into in about two minutes. I'm sure it will make up the, the bulk of this episode, the rest of what's bad with the Ravens, but he was great, and like, yeah, you know, he could have made a few more plays in the fourth quarter, but you can only ask him to do so much. And so, uh, I thought he was great. I thought it was one of the best games of his career, and I think it's a shame it's not going to be remembered that way, because everyone's going to just remember the collapse, the fact the Ravens didn't win this game, and and that stinks. It stinks for him. It stinks, I think, for the outlook of the Ravens that they need performances like better than what he even submitted on Sunday to win that doesn't bode well. So it's just really frustrating, but I thought he played really well. And I, I, you know, I, there's definitely things to complain about with the offense, but I think it's hard to uh, quibble with what he did too much. Yeah. I mean, the first player in NFL history with a 75 yard rushing TV and a 75 yard passing touchdown in the same game. He now has 11 games with over a hundred yards rushing the most ever by a quarterback. He was accurate. Um, He was making very difficult throws he was avoiding pressure you know the offensive line held up pretty well in the past game too so he wasn't he wasn't hit a lot which was a concern against this Dolphins team that kind of had figured him out and that was one of our worries going into the week uh and they didn't they did not figure out Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson won this football game you know if you could if you could give QB wins to wins that quarterback like wins that quarterback should have this definitively goes on his uh, win column list when that you know when the final rankings come out at the end of his career but you know unfortunately that's not how it works because the rest of the team is hot effing garbage and let him down they should blow the whole thing up from the start pay him I you know I have I have friends and I love him to death but I thought the notion of pay Lamar whatever he wants and I don't care if the team is like eight and nine for three years because at least we'll have Lamar Jackson I thought that notion was ridiculous I now think it's the most sane thing that any Ravens fan could say because everyone else is pathetic on this team, including John Harbaugh, including Mike McDonald, or is he McDaniel? I don't even care. I, I, we're, he's not going to be around long enough to remember his effing name. And I, I think that the only good thing I have now to look forward to every Sunday is NFL football that doesn't include the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Because the rest of the franchise, including Eric DaCosta and Ozzie Newsom and Steve Bishotti, is a joke. And um, I, I know how Cleveland fans feel now. But, yeah, on the Lamar thing, sorry, that, that, that was my rant, what, five minutes into this podcast. And that's not going to be the first one, or the uh, last one, I should say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, in all seriousness, I do think that this is just another – it's another case of why 
Lamar is going to get what he wants, whether it's from the Ravens or somebody else on the open market, because somebody is finally just going to say, screw it. We will pay him all the guaranteed money because look at this guy. He's on a war path right now to get the bag and good for him. And that doesn't bode well for a Ravens team who, frankly, aren't taking advantage of this mentality that he has, right? We took advantage of the Flacco betting on himself. They won the Super Bowl. They're not going to do it this year the way they're playing. And it's sad because... Either they don't get a Super Bowl and he hamstrings the cap, and rightfully so, by the way, or they don't win a Super Bowl, he goes somewhere else and he becomes a a future Hall of Famer and goes in as, I don't know, an Arizona Cardinal or whatever. That's a bad example because of Kyler. Goes in as a Minnesota Viking because he sees Justin Jefferson and he just loves wearing the color purple and he decides to move up north. So, yeah, overall... It just it sucks because it was so fun to watch him play today, but the rest of it is just you know it, it, it'll be it'll be the skid mark on uh, on on the Ravens' performance of the day. Some other small positives: uh, the players that Lamar Jackson was throwing the ball to. One of them didn't need a throw, and that's Devin Duvernay. With uh, I guess going for a repeat of his All Pro selection as a return man, just the perfect start to this game. Uh, oh my goodness, seems so long ago now. Uh, with the kick return, kickoff return, touchdown to start the game. Rashad Bateman, I mean, again, all these positives that I like, they feel, I feel like wrong saying them or like offbeat saying them because of how this game ended up going, but almost a coming out party for Rashad Bateman. Hand up, I did not think he had like breakaway speed from like getting away from corners, and he proved that on one catch that they turned for a. a Lamar Jackson's 75 yard, you know, touchdown pass was that one to Rashad Bateman that traveled about four yards in the air and then went the rest of the way with Rashad Bateman outrunning the rest of the defense. Uh, Andrews had like an Andrews game with nine catches and a touchdown. Isaiah likely finally a a little bit of an appearance from him with some nice catches. Um, So some good stuff from the skill position players, even uh, Demarcus Robinson with a touchdown to extend the lead in the second half of this. I believe it was the second half. It might've been end of the first. Um, Good to see him in the mix, and it just seemed like offensively things were going well through the air. And that's where I'm going to stop. If you guys have other positives about those players, feel free. But I want to turn it now to issue number one. And it's just an issue that we talked about last week. It's an issue that we talked about this offseason and most of last year as well. And it is the running game. And it is the running backs. It is the offensive line. It is the offensive coordinator. They have not gotten this right. J.K. Dobbins he's smiling, I think, now, week in, week out, because he realizes how important he is to this team and how everybody wants him back on the field and dressed and breaking tackles because none of the other running backs can do it. And if they're not breaking tackles, they're certainly not getting clear lanes from this offensive line. So, guys, I mean, it's the the poster of this issue is their Ravens 19-play, 18-play drive (laughs) where they had, like, 11 missed and one yard to go downs and they could never get first downs or touchdowns out of it. What is happening with this running game? Is it, can it be salvaged? Is this, are we going to continue this? Well, as soon as JK and Stanley get back, it'll be okay. Or is it just not fixable based on scheme and the majority of the talent at their disposal? I think it's slightly fixable, but I don't think it's fully fixable. I, I even, and I should have known based on what happened last year and even in week one, I still was of the notion of, well, you know, 
they can they can put this thing together without JK for a couple weeks and then they'll be okay. If you take away Lamar Jackson from running the football, the Ravens had 16 carries for 36 yards. From Greg Roman, who was supposed to be Shanahan level esque in the running game, you can plug and play Antonio Barbera, Jace Evans, and Tim Horsey, and we're gonna we're gonna run for 200 yards total and just run it down your throat. Uh, you can you can patch together a little bit of an offensive line and make it work. We're not seeing that with this team. Uh, there was a clip from Nate Tice of the Athletic. If you're a football nerd like the three of us, a must follow type of guy. Uh, he's been doing a lot of Ravens breakdown actually today. I was watching some of that while working, um, you know, in between and breaks and stuff. And there's, it's kind of, Antonio, you bring up a great point. Half the time, there's not the hole, which is the offensive line problem, which, you know, I thought Linderbaum was okay, but, you know, the left guard is clearly an issue. And, and, and Zeitler, I guess, is just fine at right guard. And, and the, the, your interior linemen are the real, really the guys, your meat and potatoes there. Patrick McCarry is a slight left tackle, so he's always going to get bullied a bit in the run game. Although, you know, pass protection-wise, as we mentioned before, but the pass protection was really, really good, and Lamar helped make it good as well. Um, but a lot of times they're not opening holes, and when they do open holes, they reference this Nate, Toy, no, Nate Tice video, excuse me, Justice Hill has the entire field to go and get up north. He has a massive gap, and instead he tries to bounce it outside and ends up being like a 12-yard gain or something like that. Or it was his 13-yard gain, excuse me, his long uh, that he had. Three carries, 16 yards, by the way. So do the math on that with one 13-yard gain. And instead of hitting, hitting the hole like Lamar did for the 79-yard touchdown and Justice Hill is probably gone, he tries to bounce outside of two uh, wide receivers blocking and he goes out of bounds after 13 yards. J.K. Dobbins fixes those issues. Or at least we think he does. I, I'm still a bit wary of everybody being like, oh, J.K.'s amazing. He had, a, he had a pretty good rookie year, and he wasn't used enough, and then he didn't play last year. So to, to think that he's Jonathan Taylor, I think, which some people are like marking him as, it just seems a bit ridiculous that he is this fix-all piece. And on that, I think, is the biggest issue. Of Yes, I would love to see J.K. come back. I think the guy that we're really going to see is Gus Edwards. Because if, he's not, if there's not going to be a hole, he's going to make a hole. And he's going to fall forward. And it's something that the Ravens sorely, sorely miss. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sitting on the fence a little bit. Because I thought, I thought the, the, the run blocking is not good and needs to be better. But even when it is good, the running backs haven't delivered. And it, I'm tired of Mike Davis, Kenyon Drake, uh, Jeez, I can't even remember. Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell. Like, I'm tired of the stopgap. And so, you know, God willing, we get our running backs back in the next couple of weeks here. And that changes a little bit. But I'm not going to sit here and say that J.K. and Gus coming back makes us the dominant team that we used to be. Uh, I think they'll just be middle of the road. And and honestly, middle of the road might win that game uh, if the defense <laughs> wasn't a bunch of high schoolers. Yeah, that, that it's it's weird with the line because it is a run issue and not an overall line issue. Like you mentioned, Tim, McCarty played great. Lamar wasn't sacked. He was uh, 12 of 14, 206 yards, two TDs, no picks against the Blitz. They solved the Dolphins' blitzing issues, but then they just couldn't gain a single yard almost ever. Uh, Luke Jones uh, had this uh, stat. He, he, he had this tweet that said, not including the final Hail, Hail Mary, the Ravens ran 10 plays where they needed one yard for a first down or touchdown. They converted three of them. Not great. Uh, you know, one of those stops is a fourth down stop 
uh, in the fourth quarter that if you get that, you probably at the very least get a Justin Tucker field goal out of the drive. And they couldn't do that. And it was just it was just such a tough watch. I mean, they're three for ten on, on third down on the day, one for three on fourth down. The stat, Jeff Zarebic had one, Tim, to your point about the running backs. Through three games, the Ravens' three running backs have had 16 of their 29 carries produce one yard or less. That's astounding. And I'm, I'm 100% with you. I don't know, you know, it's, I don't, it's hard to think when you're that bad at something, just one personnel change immediately makes it that much of an upgrade, especially when it's two running backs coming off an ACL injury and a guy in Ronnie Stanley who you don't even know if he's an above-average player at this point, if he can play at all. He hasn't, so who's to say he can? It's just tough, and, and you know, if it's going to be like this, this is obviously the offensive failure, I think, that led to this comeback uh, that helped contribute to it anyway. It's just, it's going to be so hard to put games away if this is what you're working with. And it's... Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I was just, just going to say, Jace, it's, you know, you mentioned that stat of how many the Luke Jones stat of how many conversions that they had when needing one yard. One of them was, let's call it a trick play, right? Mark Andrews running under center to get one of the first downs. One the other one Pat was a Ricard. Pat Ricard handoff. <laughs> you get one of those a game, and then that's the end of that. And then all the, like, regular <laughs> runs to your running backs, every one of them was a disaster. I, Mike Davis is too big to get no yards after he, like, I... It's, it's insane. I, well, me. it's like, what does he do? That's, it's astounding. It's like, so you're not fast, but also you don't move the pile? Like, it's just, it's confounding, and it's just so demoralized. I mean, 36 yards outside of your then, quarterback? <laughs> And then you look at, they also, and it feels like they kind of know it too, like the fourth down, you know, the the last play of that long 18-play drive, they had again Lamar kind of do this like trick play, like pretend he's uh, in shotgun and then like run under center to snap it quickly to do a sneak, and he fumbled because it's kind of a trick rushed, uh, rushed move there, and yet on a different drive on first down from the goal from the one yard line, Simple play action to Mark Andrews, and he was quite literally wide open, like not covered. The Dolphins didn't even try to cover. Ricard was also open, I think, on the same, like on a similar route, just five yards to the inside of Andrews. So it's, I mean, it's it's tough to like nitpick in game at individual play calling, but when you've seen that happen so many times in this game, and then you get to the fourth down, on the uh, I guess their second to last drive. That's the most important one, obviously. You know the situation. Jace is texting like a frenzy. He understands that defensively this game is lost unless the Ravens can score. And they go for the Lamar Jackson run, on, you know, on fourth and one, and or not close. The play get, gets absolutely destroyed because almost all of those plays had Miami with 11 guys in the box. Not eight or nine, but 11. And so you kind of hope that you would have seen the play action attempt there on fourth down and maybe who knows who's wide open maybe they get a touchdown out of it i hate to do this because i get it that it's so nitpicky about one specific play when the offense scored 38 points but they were bad at that exact type of play 10 times in the yeah. game and when it came down to it they went for it an 11th time instead of trying the thing that had worked differently else another time in the game 
and that's the Roman thing that we have complained about for for two years on this show. Well, and that was mine, guys. So that that'll be. I'll try to keep that as my only one. Uh, was, we haven't even gotten we, to the defense. I yet. was going to say yeah. we haven't gotten to the defense yet at all. Anything else offensively, guys? Yeah, before thing, we turn this. So the offense certainly didn't. I don't want to excuse the defense because we are about to lay into them. Because I have not, I think, been more mad about a single defensive group slash team slash area of the Ravens, and maybe my entire life. But in the second half, you know, we talked about the Ravens dominate time of possession right in the first half they have that like 11 minute drive though they didn't score on they end up you know they're up what it's 28 to 14 at the half 35 to 14 like the game should be over um 28 7 28 7 they're up huge they're up 21 points and uh you know but so in the second half their drives are three plays three plays touchdown five plays which is the turnover on downs three plays Six plays, which was the field goal drive, probably needed a TD there, which has been a thing in some other prior Ravens moments, you know. So that's a, a little nitpick, I guess, of the offense as well. Could have really used a seven, because I don't think the defense was... Well, they didn't uh, prevent it, but, you know, they, that didn't help the the defense, certainly, when you're, when you're, when you're this, when you're that thin, but uh, in positions, which is an Eric DaCosta problem. But, uh, so they, they didn't play a perfect second half, but still you score 38 freaking points in this game. It's by my count, it's the most points the Ravens have scored, um, in a loss since they lost a 2017 game to the Steelers 39 to 38. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback for that game, you know, pre-injury big Ben, the hall of fame quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. I can kind of excuse a bad Ravens team scoring 38 and losing to Ben Roethlisberger unacceptable against the quarterback they were playing on Sunday. And so at the end of the day, even if the offense could have done more to help the defense in the second half, you score 38 points. They're the only team. They're the only one of two teams to score 30 points in week two of the NFL season and lose the game. The Browns are the other. We'll get to them. LOL. But you score 38 points. You should win an NFL game. And um, they didn't, they didn't win the game because this might be the worst Ravens defense of all time. (laughs) And before we get to that worst Ravens defense of all time, uh, and I don't even think there's that much hyperbole in that statement, I do want to just reinforce that Rashad Bateman, and I I am kind of stealing notes from Jace here, but I'm stealing them because I think I agree and I think they're important to bring up. First on Rashad Bateman, we should really just emphasize that he is already everything that we wanted Hollywood Brown to be and more. Like by the end of the season, this guy is receiver number one and... We're not having idiots on ESPN and and what have you going, oh, do the Ravens actually have their true wide receiver? I think they nailed that, finally. Mercifully, after years and years and years of trying to get a number one receiver in the building through the draft and refusing to pay anybody like Tyreek Hill, who we'll get to in a second, uh, I think they found their guy. Uh, This from Jonas Schaffer of the Baltimore Sun, or Schaefer, excuse me. Uh, This came in as we recorded, so I just thought it would be interesting to bring up. Uh, quote, Rashad Bateman's fastest speed as a ball carrier per next-gen stats in 14 Ravens games, 21.48 miles an hour. Hollywood Brown's fastest speed in 46 Ravens games, 21.3 miles an hour. He's even doing the speed thing better than, than Hollywood Brown did and just way more reliable. Obviously, the big body helps uh, to make all sorts of catches, not just be the deep threat that drops touchdowns uh, over and over and over again. And then one here that I just love, because uh, you could tell Jace was angry prepping for this game, I'll just say, because in our doc, 
We have three different colors to kind of break up who's saying what in here. And, you know, don't want to just pile on the same points and what have you. Because uh, we tend to ramble if you've listened to this podcast enough. Uh, th- there's just so much red. It- it's like a teacher editing a bad research paper. Um, and one of one of these is, goes, I'm just going to read this uh, word for word because I completely agree. Quote, I don't know if this is the biggest thing, but if he can't play or they're afraid to play him nearly two years after his injury, why is Nick Boyle still on this team? I think it's a great question. Something to just think of, uh, you know, kind of in that run game issue. Nick Boyle so important to the run game. Nick Boyle, Pat Ricard, basically two extra offensive linemen. Well, we haven't really seen Nick Boyle play that much, and I fear that, you know, he's being squeezed out for the likes of an Isaiah Likely, which we, we should mention, you know, got, got in the mix a little bit more, which is nice. But why is he still there and taking up a, you know, decent chunk of a cap for a third string, possibly fourth string tight end? Yeah, we t- and we talked about him as, like, the small offensive lineman who was going to help the run right. game. Need that. Need that right about now. And yet it's Josh, Al- Josh Oliver uh, active in these games. It's very strange. Uh, the good news is Harbaugh is very uh, informative in his press in his pressers, so he, he gave a lot of good insight as to whether or not uh, he expects Nick Boyle soon. Um, all right, let's turn to the, defense, oh, the defensive no. side of things. I'm going to say, like, two things, and then I'm going to let my guys – take it here because i think they're gonna have a little bit more passion where i'm gonna just kind of be more confused i guess i might jump in a little bit here and there but the the not so secret thing about this game defensively is that yes the dolphins scored 28 points in the fourth quarter but they were also moving the ball just fine in the first half of this game as well but two not one but two marcus williams interceptions stopped drives obviously that looked like they may have gone for points uh and that kept the Dolphins sort of at bay offensively there was a little bit of a pass rush we saw Justin Houston get to uh, get to Tua hit with one sack and he kind of spun him away for an incompletion and almost had a second sack then we got to the second half of this game and all of a sudden the pass rush was gone all of a sudden there were three different rookies in the secondary on the field at the same time uh with Armour Davis Pepe Williams and Kyle Hamilton, uh, and then I might be wrong, and you know I'm not a not the uh, deep film guy. Like I, I also have a job in in my in my <laughs> in my forty hour per week spare time, so I didn't do all the digging in the film. And this may be a little naive of me, but it sure felt like in the first half it was all like a just a rope a dope basically, where the Dolphins in the first half were, let's take everything quick. We're gonna take everything short. We're gonna do a lot of RPO. And then in the second half, all of a sudden it was, let's play off of those passes, and now we're going to bomb it over their heads. Now that we've, like, dragged them in, now we're going to bomb it over over their heads. They don't think Tua can throw it. And they got wide-open dudes based on rookies and miscommunication. And boy, did it work over and over and over again. That's my take. I hate it. Um, the optimist in me, in terms of, you know, it is a 17-game season, Rookies will get better. Rookies are going to look bad the first few games of their of their career, and they're going to look way better at the end of, of their rookie season. So that stuff, I think, can be fixed. But we're at, guys, year three of, you know, blown coverages at the worst time and miscommunications and the secondary looking bad. Different defensive coordinator, so there's some bigger issues here. Uh, you know, new-ish has come to light here. Um, so with that, I'm just going to turn it to my co-hosts on... What the hell happened here defensively? 
in the end of the 2021 season, Antonio. I love Jason. I love Jason Aridos. Yes, please, please, Jason. Go. Chuck Clark took to the podium and declared, "Watch how we bounce back." Ugh. Well, guess where the Ravens are? They're right back where they were at the end of 2021. 32nd in the NFL and pass defense through th- two weeks. It's the exact same thing. You're 100% right. They're the worst defense in the NFL by yards allowed per game through two weeks. And it, it, it's it's just the same thing. I know, and what's crazy is the guys have changed. <laughs> the players have changed. But it's the same issues. Guys are hurt. So, you know, midweek, just all of a sudden, Marlon Humphrey's got a groin injury. Brandon Stevens doesn't play at all. Like you said, you're relying on rookies in the fourth quarter marlin's in and out of the game marcus peters god bless him he's playing his first game in you know a year and a half (laughs) two years uh so you know he's trying his best he didn't look 100 percent. he wasn't playing able to play every snap so you're you're you're, it it just it looked like the cincinnati game frankly uh at the end of last season where it's just guys who you don't know and who are like nobodies, no names, rookies, learning the ropes in the NFL, just getting run by by some of the best receivers in the NFL uh, for wide open touchdowns. I mean, the the amount to miscommunicate that poorly is astounding <laughs> repeatedly. I mean, it's like back to back, like l- long touchdown bombs from a guy not known to bomb the ball. <laughs> That's like his weakness. And yet... It just it was this exact same thing, and it was just so frustrating. And, you know, you changed the D.C. You, you got Wink fired basically for this problem, and now you just have this problem again. Brandon Stevens, I don't even know if I said he didn't even play this game. So it was like you're just right back to the same issues, and it's like I agree with you. The rookies can get better over the course of the year, but it's like, are the injuries going to get better? History suggests more guys are going to get injured. And we're already playing like our eighth string defensive backs. And it's they tie up so much money in their defensive backs. They can't be this bad. Even Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams was great. <laughs> Two more interceptions. He's got three interceptions on the year. Looking like a great signing. But he drops the easiest of what would have been three interceptions. And the Dolphins score a touchdown on the next play he could have sealed the game right there. And it's just the same thing of guys not stepping up to make a play in the big moments. And then frankly, from a player perspective, you know, I think this is the big one we talked about a lot, but just pride in your performance. And, you know, it's corny to, I think a little bit, maybe, you know, I mentioned it in our group chat, but just like, and I think on Twitter even, but like what, the Ravens are a team that obviously prides themselves on defense. Go look at football reference. There's a lot of top 10 finishes on defense. Uh, over three quarters, I believe, of the seasons the Ravens have played, they've had a top 10 defense. And um, it's just not been acceptable. The last two years, you're right, last three years in large part. And I think that goes right to the very top. I think it goes to Eric DaCosta just not getting the players and then that are good enough. And then the players, you know, not taking, I guess, ownership or – the initiative to improve the things that they are clearly lacking on. So I think it's a complete system failure all the way around. And it's just really frustrating. You're in year two, year three of this. And it's like, Oh, we might have the worst defense in the NFL again. Yeah. Um, the days of the Ravens having a dominant defense are completely over. Um, when you have cornerbacks who care more about tweeting the, the restaurant recommendations throughout Baltimore, I'm not wearing my Marlon Humphrey jersey again. I'm tired of it. I'm really 
fed up with he legitimately tweeted last night well i feel a little bit better because everyone in the division lost meanwhile you have the likes of ed reed you know who did did interviews explaining how he would get into arguments with guys who were leaving towels around for the equipment guys because that's just not how a professional acts and this is what it's come to i don't want to see any more friday footwork videos i don't want to see I don't want to see you having any fun until you actually become a legitimate defense again, frankly. I, I don't care. And I know this is old school fan take, and these guys have lives too, and that's great. But it is a bad effing look. And I, I'm just doing this for Antonio and Jace's sake. I said I was going to cuss all over this podcast. And I'm not going to because, frankly, we need the numbers, and it's, it's an analytics thing. I'm not going to do it, but I really, really want to. I just think that the pride, uh, Jace, I don't think it's – I don't think it's a negative. This this Ravens defense was known to have a swagger. Think of the 14-2 and two year. The Marcus Peters, like, it was with the Rams, with the we ain't done yet, and he brought that attitude to Baltimore as well. You had, you had personalities. You had guys who would fight and scrap and claw for every little thing. And this was just as much about miscommunications with rookies. And you know what? I tend to give them a little bit of a pass, although I am very worried about Kyle Hamilton being an absolute bust, and we can talk about that a little bit more if we'd like. I'm fine with, you know, Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis. I thought did okay. You know, you look at the play immediately on the on the Hill touchdown, I think the first one maybe. It might have been the second one. Who the hell knows or cares? And it looks like Armour Davis gets burned, but he clearly thinks he has safety help, and the safeties are both at the line of scrimmage, and one is trying to get back in time. Kyle Hamilton... Tyreek Hill is three yards past him for the other TD when he finally realizes, oh, S, I have to go cover that guy. But miscommunications, fine. They're rookies, I get it. And the fact that the Ravens have this corner issue every year is a sick joke. That, that, that it's just every year they're, they're rolling out guys that they can't, they, they just can't, oh, it's just so frustrating that they can't deal with having all these injuries and Marlon Peters is out, or Marcus Peters. Marlon Peters, Marlon Humphrey. I'm just so I'm so angry. I apologize. Like you said, Jace. All of a sudden, middle of the week. Oh yeah, uh, he's just gonna have limited snaps this week. And what the hell, Brandon Stevens, who was supposed to be this fill-in guy while Marcus Peters gets back. We li- literally talked about it last week. He's just out now with some other injury. I don't know what happens. And then you have all the, you have all these problems, right? And I'm talking in circles a little bit. But you have all these problems with injuries and miscommunications with rookies. And frankly, you know, Armour Davis and Pepe Williams, I thought were okay. And Pepe Williams makes a big stop. He's a physical guy for an underrated, uh, for an undersized corner. And they're going to learn from that stuff. And I, I have confidence that they will. But you just take your foot off the gas. You have two of the fastest guys in the National Football League on the other side of the ball. And, and the defense is playing up. And they're, and they're letting guys get burned deep. They were so good in week one about not letting the top blow off the defense. That was the whole narrative. They gave up big plays after big play after big play. And it was like, we can't do that anymore. And then Tyree Kill goes out and say, yeah, McDaniel was literally just playing Madden. He was just throwing it to us because we were open and fast. How do you not plan for Tyree Kill going deep? Tyree Kill going deep! It is the one thing that he does better than anybody in the history of the National Football League outside of Randy Moss. And, and the fact that you have three rookies on the field, you're still going to play your entire same defense. And I'm sorry, Siri, the dog is very concerned now that I almost <laughs> spilled uh, beverages all over my computer for that. I'm sorry. It's okay. The fact that Can you she know- cover? Can she play in the secondary? Uh, We'd love to have her. Girl's got some speed, let me tell you. She could. <laughs> she might be able to cover Hill. She, she's got some legs on her. Um, but I... <sighs> 
the fact that you know you're depleted back there anyway and you fail to make adjustments from a coaching point and then from a player's point of view you take your foot off the gas and you clearly just think oh we've got this in the bag and you don't fight and scrap on that defensive side of the ball it's embarrassing it's absolutely embarrassing and frankly i yes the rookies will progress fine yes marlon humphrey will come back after eating at tagliatas for the fifth time this week that's fine but i don't think that we're gonna have I, i just don't see this defense ever coming back to what it was because the pride isn't there and you know we're gonna get into this in a second and and i want you to have your piece as well antonio but Something needs to change at a very big level. And I'm not going to sit here and call for jobs. And I I love John Harbaugh. Don't get me wrong. But I loved Brian Billick, too. And you know what happened with Billick? Billick got, it was Camp Cupcake. They literally called training camp Camp Cupcake because he was just letting the players do whatever they wanted. John Harbaugh came in, pissed a lot of people off, and started throwing chairs around to the point where they almost had a mutiny between the players and Harbaugh, but he fixed everything because it was a different voice and it was a meaner voice and it was a sterner voice. And this is a different era now. We're in 2022 compared to 2008, but something has to change. And if this is another season where it's, oh, but the talent's there. and Oh, there was a couple injuries. And oh, you know, this this happened, this happened. They have to, they, they have to part ways. It's, it's, it's some massive scale type level because the Ravens can sit here and, if I hear, oh, you know, the Ravens, you typically think they have a very good defense. One more time from any national analyst, I'm going to rip my own ears off. Because it's not there anymore, and and it's not coming back unless there is a big change. And it's just, yeah, sorry. And this is my second rant of, of the evening. We'll, we'll do a counter here on Pod Like a Raven. But it, it's just sad because it's the one thing, and I've said this on this podcast before, it's the, one re- it's the reason I fell in love with football and the reason I love defensive football. And I watched in college LSU – Uh, six Alabama nine and loved every ounce of that game because it was prideful defensive the remember remember the Titans quote they are not going to get another yard like that that type of stuff and it's more offensively geared and I'm I'm willing to accept that but if you're not even going to show up and you're not going to do the most basic of planning where these three idiots on this podcast can tell you don't let Tyreek Hill get deep. Maybe have a couple guys on him and Waddle. Let them just matriculate the ball down the field because Tua will probably screw up. If we can tell you that and you still can't do it, there's a massive issue. And yeah, rant over. I'm just, it, I'm just tired of it all. It was, it was the inevitability of it too, Tim, that really, I think, ate at me at yeah. the end. It, like, it was like, I had no faith in them and just thinking about like you know obviously the ravens have had the benefit uh, most of those years when they've had great defenses of having some of the best defensive players of all time that certainly helps but you know for better or worse uh i was thinking of ray lewis and like if he was on the team well, A, it wouldn't have happened, number one. They wouldn't have blown wouldn't a 21-point lead. But, wouldn't have happened. Um, if it did, like, he would have cried, like, after that game. Like, just full stop. Like, Ray Lewis would have, like, cried in his press conference about blowing a 21-point game. and Or a 21-point lead. And, and I just, like, I don't know. Maybe you're right. It might be a new era. I just don't know if players care like that on this team, certainly. Uh, I don't think they do. I and, don't think they do. Yeah, it's it's just, you know. Maybe I'm getting older, but it is like, <laughs> you know, you think back to how things used to be. and I mean, well, what we saw was historic, uh, we should say, too. Um, yeah, okay, but real quickly, Jace, real quickly, sorry. 
yes, historic, great, and you know it's the big story. It leads all of your podcasts, uh, NFL wise, which was just amazing <laughs> to hear today. Great, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, so we don't have to dive deep. Are you fully confident in this Ravens team up fourteen with Mac Jones and the Patriots weapons? Because we'll talk about the differences uh, later in the podcast, and they are clear, and I understand that. I can no longer have faith in this Ravens team, who since 2021 have given up the most passing yards in the fourth quarter of the NFL and have totaled the fourth fewest quarterbacks hits in the fourth quarter, (laughs) whose defensive backs on Sunday had to travel a total of 6,131 yards on pass plays over the course of the game, the most by a defensive back group in a game since the start of last season. Are you fully confident? that they can hold off Mac Jones up two scores in the fourth quarter? Because I'm not, and they don't deserve my respect, and they don't deserve my confidence whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's warranted. I mean, Tim, they're, they're the first team to blow a 21-point fourth quarter lead in 12 years. NFL teams in the last 12 years were 711-0 and zero <laughs> when they led by 21 Jesus. points in the fourth quarter, including... A number of Ravens teams. Uh, they used to they used to get these leads and hold these leads, but nah, not on Sunday. It's just Antonio. I, I'm curious your thoughts on all this. Uh, I, I think I'm at the lowest point I've ever been with this defense. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain cruelty. These are some some good points, some wise words, some sad words, and the cruelty is as always. We had those offenses when we had those defenses in the past. Yeah. And now we have this offense. We have this player, the best offensive player in the history of the franchise. And now we have the worst <laughs> defense. <laughs> you can't have these at the same time. I would have taken 10 years of uh, like disastrous, horrible teams if I could have another 10 with all of these players on the team at the same time. would have been a Patriots dynasty. Here's my final take to try to say, I mean something different i guess about this uh and it's pretty it's it's a little spicy but whatever it it feeds into the harbaugh infrastructure he's been there for a long time and you know where where is he at at this point what is this you know his identity as a coach at this point he is a big and it gets said nationally it gets said at the facility they're all analytics deep analytics they go for it on fourth down they go for two-point conversions when people think they're crazy you know what analytics you need defensively when you're up a lot with not a lot of time left? You have to make it mathematically impossible for the other team to score a bunch of touchdowns. You can All you have to do is not give up touchdowns in very few plays. Because the clock runs, teams only have three timeouts, and the odds of recovering onside kicks are pathetically low. So the problem is, sure, rookies can make mistakes, you know, th- offenses can get hot in the second half, they certainly have the weapons in, in Miami. But a seven-play touchdown drive followed by a five-play, then a three-play, <laughs> then a six-play. It's too fast. It's too fast when the whole point is you are up multiple scores at times three touchdowns, at times two touchdowns, all in the fourth quarter where the goal has to just be to keep the ball in front of you because you can only run so many plays in eight minutes when you have to score four touchdowns. And they didn't, they missed it by a lot. <laughs> the score was tied with, how many, what, three minutes left in the game? When did the, I'm, I'm pull, trying to pull this up as we talk. There were five minutes left in the fourth quarter <laughs> when the game was tied. That's how quickly they were able to get this lead <laughs> trimmed. What was a three touchdown lead twice 
they had it tied with five minutes left in regulation. That shouldn't be possible if you have any sort of Yale dudes in the background, you know, t telling you how much time it takes to run ten play drives and how that would have made it a mathematic mathematical impossibility without turnovers or onside kicks to, to score that many points. And that's a problem because that is what John Harbaugh brings to the table. He doesn't call offensive plays. He doesn't call defensive plays. He's like, um... Kind of like a CEO, like he kind of is supposed to keep the peace and, and have a say in everything. And then he does the big analytics stuff. He has to make the big calls when necessary. And analytics defensively should have won this game by default, and it didn't. And it's another aspect that didn't work in this game. And I don't like it, and this team should have been 2-0. We should have been complaining about how bad the defense played in the second half, but it should have never been complaining about the fact that the, the game actually got away from this team. And it did. <laughs> and they couldn't even kick a field goal to tie it. And they were down by more than a field goal at the end of the... It's amazing how many points the Dolphins were able to score so quickly. Yeah, I can't believe they lost this game in regulation. Like, I, I made a joke about them losing in overtime. I, I... Even as bad as they were playing, I was like, well, they'll give it up late and then we'll go to overtime and then who knows. Nope. <laughs> the Dolphins scored, as you said, with two minutes to go... Or five minutes to go, they tie the game. Uh, and yeah, the Ravens don't even get a chance in overtime. Unbelievable. Took them 10 minutes. All right. Uh, <laughs> anything else from this game, guys? Uh, uh long-term well, stuff, and then we got to move, move on from it. You know, live another day. The sun will rise tomorrow. There so, is another game coming up. So the big, it's, a, well, it's the entire defense, but the, the two obviously glaring issues, as we talked about, are the secondary. Um, I do actually think that can maybe improve. The other thing we just have to touch on is the pass rush, or should we say lack thereof, um, because unfortunately they lose another guy, Steven Means, tears his Achilles in this game. So they have two outside linebackers in this game, and one guy I thought played pretty well. I think you mentioned him, Antonio, earlier. Justin Houston, I thought, had a fine game. If Adafi Owe wants to show up at all, be my guest. He is my runaway winner of the 2022 James Prochet Award at this point, because he has been just just invisible through two games and that's a problem when you're when your entire off-season pass rush strategy was oh he'll take the leap well if he didn't now you're relying on justin houston who i believe you know he has sacks in back-to-back -back weeks good for justin houston he's playing great he's 33 he'll probably get banged up at some point you just need more from oa and more importantly you constructed this roster badly. <laughs> that's 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 like my big sort of annoyance with Eric DaCosta lately. I I I think I've been maybe more anti DaCosta than most. I don't know if I've shared it. The drafts aren't great. The first they're three not. drafts aren't great. And if you're looking at why the Ravens are having problems right now, that's the reason. It's because you know they just don't have. Like, the exceptional players outside of Lamar Jackson, it's, like, Mark Andrews and probably Rashad Bateman, and everyone else is replaceable as a league average player. And, you know, we brought up the the Flacco and taking advantage of the Lamar era. Those Ravens teams were awesome. They had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Haloni Nada, Jarrett Johnson. That's just on the defense. They had Marshall Yonda, a future Hall of Famer on the offensive line. Matt Burke, the really good center. They had great players. They had an all-pro running back. Wish they had one of those right now. Uh, they had Anquan Bolden. You know, they had great... That was a great freaking team. And 
they were knocking on the door for years, and the these this Ravens team we've talked about just keeps going backwards uh, in terms of record, in terms of performance, certainly on the defensive side. And I had a terrifying thought, boys, uh, late last night when I saw the Orioles got a clutch win in Toronto. You know, they're probably not oh, going to make the playoffs or anything, but Adley Rutschman gets a, a bases-loaded hit in the top of the ninth to give the O's the win in Toronto. Again, probably not make the playoffs. I had a thought flash through my head that I think I might be more optimistic about the immediate future of the Orioles and the Ravens. And I shudder to think that that was even a thing I considered for half a second. I'm so mad the Ravens made me consider it, but I think it's a thing you could argue, and that's terrifying if you're a Ravens fan. Jesus, the point, I mean, Jace, the point about the players is so, so accurate. Like, and the only two people you could maybe argue outside of maybe rookies who might turn out or whatever, maybe Ronnie Stanley, maybe Marlon Humphrey, who have both regressed significantly since signing big deals, whether it be to injury or tagliatas. They have both <laughs> regressed absolutely significantly, um, in my opinion. And, yeah, I mean, you're thinking like Pat Ricard, but fullbacks don't matter in today's NFL. You know what I mean? I, oh. And the Orioles thing again. You nailed that one too, and that's what sucks. It's just it's just completely ridiculous to think that a Peter Angelos owned team has a better future than Eric DaCosta, who might be a bad GM. Like whisper it. I don't think it's actually true quite yet. And you know, hyperbole speaks after one of the uh, histor historic losses Jace has mentioned. But uh, yeah, uh, the only the only positive I can take from this, the only positive outside of Lamar and Bateman, because I can't even take those positively because they lost. Unless you own them in fantasy, like great, who cares? I, in my opinion, the only positive I can take is if Harbaugh actually uses this as a throw the chairs moment, and he uses this as a. This is, the, this is the lowest point this franchise has suffered since the Colts left town in 1983. You know, this is, this is that bad. We need to turn this around. And they use it as a stepping stone. And, and some of these players who might a couple years ago, remember, remember after the 14-2 and two season, they got all these players in the top 100 and what have you. Like, if they use it to bounce back and we can look back and they're not going to reach the heights of those teams that Jace mentioned with, with – Every level of the defense had a Hall of Famer on it, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, I, I Maybe this becomes a turning point for the team so early in the season. It won't. I have no faith that it will. But, you know, if you're going to be an optimistic person, maybe that's what you think. Last minute positive. Uh, Justin Tucker kicked a 51-yard field goal oh, yeah, in he's a tie good. game yeah, in the fourth good. quarter with two minutes left. And it wasn't even – we were so mad, I would assume, the three of us. <laughs> we weren't even thinking about whether or not the kick was good or not. It no. was just about like, oh, no, they only got three. They're going to lose this game by four points when Miami scored. He's very good, and he, he helps us. And I want to give him a little bit of props because, in theory, that was a pressure moment, and it was like the eighth most important thing as it was happening. And that's all I want to talk about this game. God What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jason, you are up this week with the Random Raven. What, you got an Oriole for us? A starting pitcher? Who are you going to go with? Uh, this is Jorge Lopez. <laughs> It's kind of an obscure one, possibly annoying one, but a guy who was in town for quite a while. So I, I have a bonus clue if you need it. I think kind of might give it away, but we'll just go the regular, uh, our regular five here off the rip. So uh, clue number one, this uh, the Ravens signed this player in 2005 as an undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. This player spent five years with the Ravens from 2005 to 2009. This player appeared in every single game during that stretch, including the playoffs, but technically did not make a single start. Clue number four, stats for this player are limited, but he did record 17 tackles and recovered a fumble during his time in Baltimore. And then clue number five, this player wore the same number that Kevin Zeitler now wears. Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, I should know what Zeitler's number is, but pretty oh. sure i don't know what that is i, I, I was do gonna share definitely. that on the i'll share that on the back end <laughs> i do definitely know what zeitler's number is which throws me and it makes me think that how, how can i say this without being too spoilery even though i don't know who this player is it makes me think that those 17 tackles he shouldn't have been tackling people let's put it that way but you know <laughs> what that was those ravens offenses back then so who knows Ooh. that's uh yeah that branches eras jace too with the 05 to 2009 Fantastic. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Let's go to the NFL, which other games happened this week in the NFL, and there were some other crazy ones. Uh, in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns, boy, God, you gotta love them. They almost stole the thunder of the Ravens' collapse with their own collapse, up 30-17 to 17 with a minute and 55 to go at home against the New York Football Jets. They ended up losing 31-30. to 30. In part because they missed an extra point that should have made it a tie game. In part because they're the Browns. Uh, in part because Nick Chubb, in theory, could have like kneeled it at the one-yard line and just run out the <laughs> clock under two minutes, but decided, I mean, went in to score anyway. They went up by two touchdowns with less than two minutes. Seemed like it was, should have been maybe the right move anyway to do that. Uh, but uh, giving up a quick score and a blown... Uh, blown coverage, an onside kick, and then just some more Flacco magic. And uh, Joe got, I think, his first win with the Jets, or his like second win with the Jets ever. 
Uh, he's been there a couple of seasons. He's got enough starts under his belt at this point, but they love him, seemingly. A lot of rah-rah in the locker room for Joe Flacco. Uh, Jets 1-1, and and the Browns, losers, as were the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So just <laughs> over out of the AFC North this Sunday. Yeah, according to Marlon Humphrey, that makes our loss even better. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, some other quick tidbits, and then I'm going to just toss to you two with uh, your, whatever you would like to go over. If you want to go back to the Ravens game, feel, feel free. The Colts looked absolutely terrible. Um, I've never really been like a Colts, you know, sort of fan, like secondary Colts fan. I've very much enjoyed that the last three seasons they've been like sleeper Super Bowl darlings, and they've sort of underperformed every year based on the expectations. They got blanked by Jacksonville, uh, 24 to nothing. Jimmy G takes over again for the 49ers after like, what, eight months of consternation about whether he was going to get traded, released, what the heck was going to happen there. They ended up keeping him, and now exactly one game and one quarter into the season, he has resumed their duties as their starting quarterback, the 49ers, for the rest of the season. Uh, And they're going to be fine, and they're going to be good, and we will see what happens with their drama next season. Uh, And then my final note here, Broncos country, let's hide. Anything else from you guys uh, for the NFL? Uh, there's so This was a wild weekend, you know, outside of the misery, and it was hard to enjoy after what happened with the Ravens. But, you know, first question, you know, I, I don't listen to a ton of Baltimore sports radio, but I guarantee some people took calls today on, would you trade Joe Flacco for Lamar Jackson straight up? I'd take Joey Flacco back here. He's a real quarterback. I could definitely see that happening. Uh, I hope hope it didn't, obviously, and apologies for the terrible Baltimore accent. Uh, I mean, you you hit a lot of the good stuff, uh, I think, and I know Jace wants to talk about this even more. So I, I will just I will just leave it at as it's hilarious that Broncos fans were chanting the play clock, counting it down, so that Nathaniel Hackett, who oh boy, you're one and one, and that might be the hottest seat in the NFL already. Uh, because he didn't understand a play clock, which I thought was hilarious. Um, a couple, I mean, we don't have to go through the division games. The Pat Steelers game. Oh, my God, that's terrible. Uh, I like having big rivalries between players and Lattimore and Mike Evans basically just getting in fisticuffs and then Mike Evans getting uh, – because if you didn't know, Lattimore basically goes after Tom Brady. Mike Evans, who famously hates uh, – is it Marshawn Lattimore? That goes in – Cleans his clock and basically says, what am I supposed to do? It's Tom Brady, which I thought was very, very funny. I mean, he's he's right. Uh, what else do I have here? That was you, their you... third fight, Tim. Yeah, their third <laughs> fight, which is awesome. In uh, NFL games. <laughs> two more quick things here that I just think are interesting. And, and, and Antonio, you nailed a lot of the big stuff. And I know Jace wants to go on about the Broncos, so I won't, I won't touch that one. The Cardinals coming back to beat the Raiders was the other, like, massive comeback of the day. And Kyler Murray, I mean, look – I, I think there's no question that, I, like, if you're if you had to pick Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, you're taking Lamar Jackson seven days a week and twice on Sunday. But that play uh, on the two point conversion where he scrambles around for like 20 seconds and then fires the ball in, it was fun. And everybody who thought the Raiders were any good, I'm pretty sure on our over under podcast, I picked them to hit the under. They're 0 and 2, so I'm feeling pretty good about that bet. And we'll go back and look at those. And finally, I have to say it. The Lions might be fun. Now, I don't know about good. I don't know about good. But Dan Campbell, all credit to him, man. That guy's been a punching bag for a lot of, uh, ever since his introductory press conference with the, you know, eat the kneecaps bit. He is 
those guys love him, and to, to keep that mentality going, they need to win games. They get a big win over the Commanders, so good for them. Yeah, they, they're strangely been one of the highest-scoring offenses uh, in the NFL the last year. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Real good. <laughs> um, Antonio, you nailed all the big stuff. I mean, the Browns, we should just say, I, yeah, shout-out Joe Flacco. This is, like, his first win with the Jets. Uh, his, definitely his signature moment outside of his time with the Ravens in the NFL, you'd say, because it's been a rough uh, four years or so for him. Uh he, he, you mentioned he got a ton of love from like the NFL official Twitter account. They called him a legend at one point. Uh, you know, so just happy for Joe. I, it was great, and it's you know, did the Ravens a big help knocking off a division rival? Um, Jimmy G, you know, I feel so bad for Trey Lance because like now the Niners are just the Niners again. Like there's nothing interesting with the Niners. It's like ah, oh, that's that team we've seen the last four years uh, that we know. So they're less interesting. The Colts haven't won in Jacksonville, as you mentioned, since 2014. And the Colts have only been shut out three times since 2003. And all three have been by the Jaguars in Jacksonville. So I don't know what's going on there. It doesn't make sense. Uh, but yes, the, the, the coup de grace of the day for me. What really, the, what put a smile on my face um, was just watching this Broncos game. Uh and when I realize, when you realize, like, what the crowd's doing, when you hear chanting, three, two, one, because the Broncos uh, takes have taken so many delay games, Nathaniel Hackett might be the worst coach in the NFL. <laughs> like, it's only been two games for him, and maybe there's ways to improve. But the time mismanagement is just baffling. Um, they took a timeout at one point because they didn't field a punter uh, or a punt returner. On a punt, <laughs> they had to burn a timeout for that. Um, they the the one everyone really keyed on. I I was baffled by this live. They they ran a jet sweep to a tight end on third and one, uh, got lost yards. Couldn't he couldn't decide if he wanted to kick the field goal, or, uh, or not, um, or go for it. They didn't either. They took a delay a game and then punted uh, from uh, under sixty yards, which after kicking a sixty four yard field goal. Uh, attempt in Seattle the week before in mile high he elected to not attempt a 50 I believe it was going to be eight yard field goal so that was magnificent that was just magnificent to see and kind of brings me to uh, just my big takeaway from week two uh, outside of the Ravens uh, Tim you also touched on it Raiders 0-2 with Josh McDaniels Nathaniel Hackett looks like a disaster the Broncos can't score with Russell Wilson at QB and they can't manage the clock and then Brandon Staley, I think, is one of the most overrated. The mm -hmm. nerds love him, and uh, but um, you know what what he did. Uh, I was just not a, like cons randomly conservative at times, and then leaving your quarterback in when he clearly like you watch that live. You're like, I'm like, oh, he broke a rib because <laughs> he's holding his side, he's grimacing in pain, he can't move, and they're down ten. And he just trots him out there. And then he's like crying on the podium about how tough he is. It's like, hey, that's great. You have 17 more weeks of the season. <laughs> like, you know, don't put Justin Herbert in harm's way. I just think, in general, the AFC Wonder Boys everyone was excited about all stink. Andy Reid's still the best coach in the division, and it's the Chiefs' division to lose. So, uh, the AFC, my big takeaway is the AFC West was wildly overhyped. Because all their other coaches in the division stink, but Andy Reid. <laughs> Andy Reid. All right, with that, let's turn now to week three. Ravens, 
traveling to Foxborough. Three-point favorites on the road against the New England Patriots, starting with the Ravens' offense against the Patriots' defense. Do we need J- do we need ten carries from J.K. Dobbins, uh, or do we just need to keep the same thing going that we've basically done the past two weeks? They've been putting up the points. They're one and one, but after twenty-four uh, and thirty-eight, you think the offense is in theory is fine. Um, do they have enough firepower as is to put uh, you know a high number on this Pat's defense? They potentially could. It's been a mixed bag for Lamar uh, against Belichick in his career and their prior two matchups. The concern for me is, you know, if they can't run, that's going to be a problem because Belichick's just going to key his defense in on the pass. And so I, I, I'm not seeing 38 on the board uh, in this one necessarily. So um, I'd love to get J.K. in there because I'd say 75% J.K. Dobbins has to be better than any running back that will play otherwise for the Ravens. Um, he seems like he's somewhat close. He actually talked to the media last week. Uh, but then Harbaugh said today he's week to week, so who knows what that means. But uh, it would definitely help uh, if he's in there. If they get 60 yards rushing, 70 yards. I'm not asking for a 180-yard rushing game, but they just need to just keep them a little uh, – maintain the semblance of balance so that Belichick just doesn't wipe out the pass game completely. That's that's the biggest key there. You know, Belichick is going to is a very good defensive coach. They have defensive coaches calling offensive plays, so they have extra <laughs> defensive minds in New England. Um, and and I think too, yeah. And I know it's an intangibles, but look, you know, we spent so much time on the recap that I'll just throw it in here as well. It's the Pats' home opener. That place I am going to be in New England. Unfortunately, not be going to go, not going to the game. Uh, but that place is going to be loud. It is going to be raucous. And how does Lamar deal with that? You know, especially how does Lamar deal with that if Bill Belichick and every single New Englander knows that he has to throw the ball and they can't run the ball? Um, And I'm not super confident because the one thing the Pats might be good at is defense. And that that doesn't bode well for this so far one-dimensional Ravens offense. I'm sure that on the road in a loud environment, the Ravens are going to be great at getting out of the huddle yep. with 15 seconds left. Oh, they'll definitely uh, have a contingency plan and a plan line. B for sure. Absolutely. Yep, totally. Definitely. Defensively, guys. Oh, boy. Uh, I think, in a way, this is maybe the perfect opponent for them to play after the Miami game. Knowing an offense, they've been like the talk of like the media up there for months. They've looked off. Apparently, you know, I haven't been at camp too many times this summer. I haven't been at New England camp, but... Word is their offense has looked horrendous from Jump Street through the preseason, through the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, They do not have, I mean, I think it's like on one hand, the number of touchdowns they have in two games, and I think it's less when you talk about offensive touchdowns. Uh, They lost against the Dolphins week one, put up seven points. They beat the Steelers, a team that I don't think all of us are like super high on. Uh, They beat Mitch Trubisky 17 to 14. (laughs) Is this the get right game? for this defense for the Ravens defense to get kind of better game or uh are we going to be back here a week from now realizing that this season defensively is uh paradise lost well I have some breaking news for you as we've been recording Marlon Humphrey has posted on his Instagram uh ouch while at a massage table so we'll see he has nothing better to do 
um, that just infuriate everybody on social media. Look, Lamar can do it because Lamar's good. I don't care if Lamar likes jer- Dolphins jerseys. Whatever. doesn't matter. Um, I-, I worry more about this game because, again, as Jace so eloquently put, this is the lowest I've ever been about a Ravens defense in my 30 years of living on this planet. Uh, and Or whatever. Count, do the math. They came in in 96. You figure it out. Um, I... I have just I just have this feeling that Belichick is going to hear all this crap and it's going to be the home opener against one of the old opponents the Ravens and there's going to be something. Now do the weapons scare me? Absolutely not. Does the run game scare me? Maybe a little bit. Does Mac Jones scare me? Eh, no, not really. But there's just that little and you could call it an intangible. I know we are do our intangible section and I'm just kind of running through that now with these other ones, but is it, it's just that this is the Patriots in new England thing. And you just, if you don't know, if you're a new Ravens fan, if you came, uh, you know, during the Lamar era, first of all, welcome. Thank you. There's always seats on the bandwagon for the purple and black. And and we used to have a good defense. We swear. Yeah, it was awesome. You should go back and watch. I, I usually, you know, if I'm getting to have one too many on like a Saturday night and don't have any plans, I'll just fire up Ed Reed highlights and cry to myself. Um, good tears, by the way, happy tears. And then I realized that he's gone forever. And then it's sad tears. Uh, the, the Patriots always had something that pissed off Harbaugh that we used to call. He would always call for rule changes because of one little loophole that Bill Belichick found that magic from Bill Belichick is still there. I don't care what you say about his drafts, which have been worse than Eric DaCosta's recently. I don't care what you say about, you know, maybe he's lost it. Maybe it was all Brady this whole time, whatever. No, it wasn't. Bill Belichick is the best coach in the history of the national football league. And, because of that, I can't sit here and confidently say, bounce back game for Kyle Hamilton, Pepe Williams, and Jalen Arbor Davis, and a banged up uh, Marlon Humphrey, a Marcus Peters who's still getting back, and who the hell knows about Brandon Stevens on the back end. So, yeah, I, I guess all of this is a long way of me saying, no, I'm not super confident in like a dominant bounce back game for the Baltimore defense. Yeah, I mean, if the communication issues are still there, like – I don't yeah. think Mac Jones is great, but he's still good enough to exploit. He's very similar to Tua in a lot of ways. You know, not the most athletic guy, not the strongest arm, but a pretty accurate passer for the most part. Now, he's been dealing with, like, a he had like a back injury that was like, oh, is it going to keep him out? And then they're like, nah, he's fine. So, who knows how that's been impacting him. As you said, they haven't scored 20 points in a game this year. <laughs> so, that's, they certainly haven't been playing well uh, on offense. But, yeah, if if he just has guys wide open, like, you know, Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers, I don't see each getting 170 yards like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle did. But, um, yeah, I mean, if they're just streaking wide open, Mac Jones will find him. He's talented enough for that. He's not Kyle Bowler back there. So, um, yeah, uh, if, if, if the problems persist, the Patriots can easily exploit him, I think. So, yeah, I think cause for concern. Jace, last question. How many sacks does Matt Judon get in this game? So I set the over-under at three. I was initially thinking five, or could he even challenge uh, for the NFL record just to spite me, uh, have an eight-sack game against Patrick McCarry. But, uh, you know, the Ravens' offensive line, pass protection-wise, actually played quite well over what I think is probably a better defense in the Dolphins, frankly, than the Patriots. Um, So... You know, I set the over-under at three sacks. I know he's just going to, all my years of saying sacks only matter and he never got ten sacks. He's going to have at least three, I think, in this game. But, you know, we have to, you know, account for that as well. Judon, two sacks uh, so far. So he might hit ten by the end of this game, according to Jace's uh, prognostications. All right. Um, going to turn this into our little gambling section. 
Last week I went one and one. Uh, it's boy, it's an impossible world uh, because I've lost some very odd games so far this season. And then I won the cards pick, which was maybe the most miraculous of them all. So <laughs> lost my Ravens pick last week, won the cards, uh, and I'm waiting on the result of my teaser. Um, two of the legs, two of the three legs home, um, but we're waiting on this Bills game Monday night. Bills have to win by, I believe, more than four for that teaser to come home. So for now, three and two overall on the season. Um, we're going to keep it rolling. And look, you're allowed to have a bad game. Rookies are allowed to be rookies. They learned, and I think this is uh, Patriots offense is the tonic that this defense needs. I think the Ravens are just going to outscore them, as simple as that, and it's not going to be the prettiest game we've ever seen. It's not going to be 38 points, but if the Ravens can score 27, I think this game is over. Um, I'm taking the Ravens, minus three. I kind of see this as like a 27-20 kind of final, uh, and the Ravens cover. Um, two other picks going, and you know I'm going to do a teaser. So, three-team teaser, six points. So, I'm moving the Chiefs line to minus a half a point at the Colts. Colts stink. Chiefs are very, very good. They're going to win that game in Indianapolis. Eagles, I'm moving that line to plus two against Washington. Washington stinks, and I'm getting the Eagles at plus <laughs> uh, a plus number. I'll take that. And then the Bengals, and this is the one that's a little shaky, but Bengals plus one and a half at the Jets. I just don't think Cincinnati's going 0-3. Uh, I think they have too much talent, uh, really, on both sides of the ball to, to start 0-3. A little Super Bowl hangover uh, going on for that team. Who could have seen that coming? But I think they take care of mm. business and just win uh, against the Jets. Flacco had his game. He had his win, and now he's going to revert, as he has in the later stage of his career. <laughs> he threw four touchdowns uh, last week, and I don't know if he had an interception, but that's going to reverse a little bit this week, and the Bengals win that. So those that's my three-team tease. And then my final pick, the Buffalo Bills, minus four in Miami. Am I bitter? Am I salty? Yes. But the Bills are the Super Bowl favorite for a reason. They go into Miami, and it is a sort of back to reality for the Dolphins, and Buffalo wins that by, you know, double digits. So I love Buffalo minus four at Miami. See, I like that one, Antonio, because at time of recording, we don't obviously know the result of Bills-Titans. But something tell it's like Bills minus ten tonight, and something tells me the Titans give them a game because it's like Bills, 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 Bills. The Titans either squeak one out or they or they you know keep it really competitive, and then the Bills come out and say no, 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 because people are gonna the narrative will switch, doubting the Bills a little bit, even, or you know, or the Titans back and the Bills come out and beat up on uh, on Miami because they know how to cover Tyreek Hill over the top. I'm not bitter either. Uh, let's talk about my picks. I lost Ravens, obviously, because they lost uh, me and my respect. I lost Steelers at home against <laughs> New England. And then Vikings plus one and a half away to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, that is obviously going on tonight as well. So if you're listening to this, I have the Vikings plus one and a half. Do I have Justin Jefferson in both of my fantasy leagues? Yes. Do I need him to win in at least one of my leagues? Yes. So maybe that's kind of a spite pick there, but we'll have to see how that happens for this week. I cannot pick the Ravens in good conscience after that pathetic display at home going up to New England. I'm going up. Here's another intangible. I'm going up and I'm driving up, uh, driving up Saturday, driving home Monday. So I'm inevitably going to be disappointed. So that's just <laughs> that's how that's going to work. Long it's either drive gonna... from Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm. It, it's you might get some live reactions on the podcast from me on that drive home. Uh, it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, I have the Texans. Plus two and a half away to Chicago. Um, I think the Texans are a better football team. 
than the Chicago Bears. I just do. I think Dougie Mills is a better quarterback than Justin Fields. Yeah, I said it. And I just I like having the points, even though it is away. I know that's basically just giving two and a half points to the home team because they're kind of equal. I think Chicago might be the worst team in football, and I think the Texans are might be the fifth worst team in football. <laughs> uh, and then speaking of two of the worst teams in football, this is just I'm just feeding on the garbage today, baby, in the trash can. Falcons plus two away to Seattle. I take it back. Seattle's probably the worst team in football. Uh, they they had their Super Bowl in Week One, and I think. You know, it's all downhill from here for them. So give me the Falcons <laughs> and the points. Who Arthur Smith, I think, is a decent coach. Marcus Mariota's done okay. Uh, Drake London has played pretty well so far. Defense is nothing, but they, they're playing Geno Smith. So I'm not super worried about that. I'll take Falcons plus two away to the Seahawks. Two two away bad teams and not many points. I, it's, I don't love it, but it's what I liked on the board uh, when I initially looked at it. Uh, that one jumped out to me, too. Um, the Falcons are bad. Yes, but they have some fight. So I'm right there with you uh, with that pick, Tim. I think in a battle of bad teams, the Falcons seem like a more competent bad team. So I'm with you on that. I am with Antonio as well. Bills minus four at the Dolphins um, for very similar reasons. Uh, I um, I took um, the Titans actually tonight uh, plus 10. And I should say, disclaimer to the betting folk out there, I am 0-5. On the season, uh, hand up. I got to own my record. Love it. Fade uh, Jace. Fade so, Jace. So, um, I uh, hate that he likes both. He got two of the same picks as me this week. I'm a little afraid. Yeah, a little afraid so, of that. Ravens. So the, the Bills minus four. Here's the thing. Everyone is going to say how good Tua Tagovailoa is. And then he's going to be like, oops, I'm still Tua Tagovailoa. And he's going to throw three interceptions. Uh, and the Bills are going to dominate this game. Because the Bills have destroyed Miami in recent seasons, by the way. I don't know if people have been following this. They're in the midst of one of their longest win streaks ever against the Dolphins. Um, so the Bills own the Dolphins, and everyone's going to be way too high on Tua when really it's the Ravens' defense that was to blame for everything we saw on Sunday. Not Tua's skill or level. He's the exact same guy. Um, uh, he's not that guy. Uh, as for the Ravens, I'm taking the Ravens minus three against perhaps my better judgment. I've been wrong on the Ravens three straight weeks, um, which is impressive when they played the New York Jets in week one. But uh, I will say that this is kind of, this is a must-win game. The Buffalo Bills come to town next week, uh, the following week. Um, and I'll just say right now, obviously we've only seen the Bills play one game to this point. I'm not feeling good about the Bills' visit to Buffalo to Baltimore uh maybe things could change but uh, if you don't win on Sunday I think you're looking at one and three start to the year um uh, with the Bills coming so they the Ravens have to win this game and I think they do I think they bounce back they're still pride in that locker room John Harbaugh didn't forget how to coach I agree things go stale and I don't know it might be time who's to say well we're we're officially monitoring the situation on pod like a Raven here but um yes I I think he will come up with a plan. The Patriots aren't that good this year. They're just not that talented. The offense stinks. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are calling plays. Uh, figure it out. They'll figure it out. Ravens minus three. It'll work out somehow. Boy, yeah, I got 0-5 Jace with two of the same <laughs> picks as me. It'll be, that's right. This is when we turn it around, Jace. This is when we turn it around. Uh, <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Journey, journey a thousand Yeah, I forgot, I forgot they play the Bills. 
I mean, knowing them, they'll lose to the Patriots and beat the Bills because that's how this <laughs> stuff works. It happened last year when they lost to Las Vegas and then beat the beat the Chiefs. Um, and if they could have just taken care of this stupid Miami game, they could have been three and zero going into that Bills game. They would have lost. They would have all the heat would have been off of them at three and one, and they would have been imperfect. Doesn't matter. Last thing to do is the random Raven Jace. Can you give us those? Uh, bewildering clues one more time yes and i'll throw in the bonus clue um for you because i think it certainly should help maybe if uh this name comes to mind at all but clue number one this the Ravens signed this player in 2005 as an undrafted free agent out of wisconsin clue number two this player spent five years with the ravens from 2005 to 2009 clue number three this player appeared in every single game during that stretch including playoffs but technically did not make a single start Stats for this player are limited, but he did record 17 tackles and recovered a fumble during his time in Baltimore. Clue number five, this player wore the same number that Kevin Zeitler now wears, which is number 70. And bonus clue, he was the long snapper before Morgan Cox. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Who was that? Oh, Jace, I needed this clue. 45 minutes ago when I could have thought about who the long snapper was. Yeah, I didn't know if that was, like, too obvious. Oh, uh, oh, oh, man. I think I have a last name. All right, you go last. I might be able to help you with the first name, then. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, well, that's not helping. Wait. Tim, do you want me to go, or you (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, go, because I I have no clue. So you go ahead with the last name, and I might be able to help with the first. Is it going to be embarrassing? But is it like Meese? Was that the like M A E S E? No, but that Mi- was a guy, I think. Yeah. Ah. All right. Well, then I have I, I don't know because now all I have is Nick Moore and Morgan Cox, the Wolf Pack. Oh, <laughs> the guy that predates those gentlemen, Matt Catula. Oh, I would have. I would have. <laughs> that that name doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, How do you spell the... that for our little record keeper here of all the random uh, Ravens? K A T U L A. He was the long snapper for the Ravens for five years before he was beaten out by Morgan Cox. Uh, and I should say... Matt Catola, this get out of here. I knew, I knew this would be a harder one. This was digging deep. Uh, so, yeah, Ravens long snapper history. But uh, um, I saw him in the background of a... Uh, I rewatched the Ravens at Cowboys 2008 game at Jerry World. or uh, tech, The last game at Texas Stadium, not Jerry World. Close it down, Texas Stadium with an L for the Cowboys. Uh, and Matt Catula jogged out onto the field. And I said, that guy. So he instantly went my file of Random Raven. So this week's Random Raven, Matt Catula. It feels like the first time I've actually stumped you guys in a while. So uh, I know that was a, a deep poll, but don't worry. I have even deeper polls, I think, uh, on the list. <laughs> I have never heard that name in my life. Uh, perfect. Jace. Uh, and boy, what a game that was back when the Ravens could like run the ball and close out games in all manners. <sighs> it's one game. It's one game. It's a long season. Uh, for Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thanks for sticking with us on a more somber week uh, of Pod Like a Raven. But we will be back next week to talk about hopefully W. Thanks again for listening to us. We will see you next Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.